Well, welcome to Grace this weekend. Thanks for being here with us. And uh, if you're a guest, thanks for showing up today. And if you're here in the room, welcome. If you're watching online, thanks for tuning in. And uh, if you're at the extension, welcome to you as well. And I just want to say thanks so much for being here. My name's Ryan. I'm one of the teaching pastors here on staff. And uh, if we haven't met yet, love to meet you, maybe hear how you made your way to Grace and uh, kind of found your way here. Isn't it fun to hear about the residents and interns and kind of all God is doing to raise up another generation of leaders here at Grace? Uh, I was part of kind of a, a more primitive version of our internship program a whole bunch of years ago. And I will just tell you, uh, as a former intern, if you know an intern or a resident around the holidays, a gift card could go a long way, right? So help them out and uh, throw them a gift card here or there if you want and support them. Just show them you love them. Uh, we love our interns and residents. They work hard. They study hard. And uh, they run kind of lean and mean. And so let's bless them if you know them. And if you don't know any of them, uh, try to find a way to get to know one of them and uh, maybe invest in them in some way if you can. Uh, they're awesome people, and I really think they're a gift that God has given to us. Well, excited about this series. We started this just last weekend called Firstborn, and uh, it's a fascinating idea. We said we're going to spend a handful of weeks kind of diving into this title, this concept that, that, uh, that really is given to Jesus there's a, a group of people who would have talked to Jesus, talked about Jesus, kind of in hindsight, and they, one of the things they would have called him was the firstborn. And so we, we're going to spend some time understanding that, looking at that idea a little bit. I'd say, boy, if you're a, a follower of Jesus, I think this will be an incredibly encouraging, refreshing time in your faith as we get a new look at the person of Jesus uh, and take some time to kind of see him through a different lens. And if you're investigating Jesus, uh, maybe not sure what you think yet about your faith or maybe open to a faith in Christ, I think you're going to have a lot of clarity given to you about really who Jesus is, what he's all about. And I, I bet you you're going to see him from a different lens because where we're going is, is going all the way back to the scripture, right? All the way back to the Bible, not what history has to say about Jesus, not about what kind of culture would say about Jesus, but, but what the people who lived with him who actually got to see his life, what they said about him. And I think you're going to be blown away when we look a little bit deeper about who this baby is that we're coming into Christmas uh, to worship and to celebrate and kind of answer the question, why would we do that? Who is the firstborn? So fascinating idea, fascinating concept. Pastor Jeff opened it up for us last weekend. If you missed that conversation, highly encourage you to catch up online. You can do that at graceohio.org. Uh, watch or listen for free there. Uh, also, I'd encourage you to follow us on YouTube if you haven't. Uh, you can watch all those messages and past messages there as well. But here's kind of what he said as you open up the first conversation. He said, this idea of the firstborn uh, is a concept, if we look at it from our cultural view, uh, we all understand what a firstborn is. It's the first person born in the family, right? And we know that generally that firstborn is going to end up taking on a lot of responsibility. Uh, they're they're going to end up, if you have a bunch of kids, they're kind of like the third parent, right? They end up getting kind of wrapped up into uh, bearing some weight in the family. We'll even joke about it. We said, biblically, if we go all the way back to how the, the scriptures would view firstborn, uh, it's a little bit different. It's actually a weightier phrase or title than we would think of it kind of culturally today. Firstborn in the ancient world, Pastor Jeff opened this up for us, it is often more about that person inherits the authority, the responsibility, uh, the privileges, the rights of the family leadership. Right? So when dad would pass on, he would leave 
all of that to the firstborn. And now the firstborn is kind of the new head of the clan, the head of the family, uh, that they would bear the weight of all of that. What's interesting is over time, the idea of firstborn uh, became more than um, kind of the first person that was born in time, and it became an idea, a concept, a role that you would play. It became first in rank, not just first in time or birth order. So let me give you an example. Even in the Bible, if someone, if the firstborn couldn't handle the responsibilities that the firstborn normally would, sometimes it would be passed on and it would go to the second or the third or even the, the fifth because that person fulfilled the role of firstborn. They were the leader. They were first in rank. They had the ability to carry out and hold the weight of the family. Firstborn is a fascinating idea, and we look at it as it applies to Jesus. It gets really, really interesting and really, really deep. So we're going to look at it uh, as we dive into kind of the next conversation on it. Over the course of this series, we're going to look at things like the fact that Jesus is the firstborn among the church. He's the firstborn from the dead. And today we're going to look at the idea that he's the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn over all creation. So we're going to take a look at this and see Jesus from, I think, a different perspective uh, maybe than we have in a while. We're going to set up shop here kind of in one major passage. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 1. And open it up with us, if you would, Colossians chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's not a big deal at all. In fact, I'd highly encourage you to grab a Bible from right in front of you there in the chairs. And uh, you can open up to Colossians 1, follow along with us today if you want to. And then I'd encourage you to actually take that Bible home with you uh, if you don't have a copy of the Bible with you. You can also look along with us in the app as well. So Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul is going to be talking to us here in verses 15 through 17. Let me read through this, and then we're really going to take some time and almost kind of look at it phrase by phrase and understand what it is that Paul was saying. You got to remember that Paul was alive and was a contemporary of Jesus, so he would have known Jesus. He didn't uh, get trained by Jesus until Jesus rose from the dead. Paul would have actually seen Jesus resurrected and interacted with him that way. Here's what he says about Christ. He says, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. He says, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. This is an absolutely loaded passage. It is full. And it says all kinds of amazing things about who this baby is that we are worshiping on Christmas. Right? It's phenomenal. Here's the first one I want us to look at. He, he is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. Right? If you want to know what God's like, just look at the life of Jesus. You can see the heart and the mind and the passion of Jesus, and that is what God is like, because Jesus is God. He's the exact image, the replica of God. And when we look at the life of Jesus, he is that. He's the image of this invisible God. He's God with skin on. He is the God-man. Paul's going to open up right away and say that, and say that this is who the Son is. He is God with skin on, helping us to understand and kind of conceptualize this God that we can never quite get our arms around. 
He's invisible, right? How do we even know him? Well, we see him in Jesus. We see him with skin on as he shows up here on Christmas time. He walks into this next phrase, and this is really the one we're going to set up shop around. Uh, he's the firstborn over all creation. Now, in order to understand what we mean when we say the firstborn over all creation, we actually have to go back and take a look at the Trinity, this idea of the Trinity. Here's what the Trinity is all about. Some of us would be more familiar with that idea than, than others. So God exists in three persons. He's not three gods, but he exists in three persons. And if you can explain that to me, good luck, because nobody quite understands it fully, but it's how it works, right? So it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God has always existed. He is eternal. No one ever created God. God is the initial mover. He's the one that started everything. And it's really important for us, if we're going to talk about the firstborn over all creation, I want to make sure we're really clear about what we're saying and what we're not saying. There's an ancient heresy that says this. I want to make sure we don't pick this idea up. Ancient heresy that says that God the Father created God the Son, and then God the Son created everything else. That's not what we're saying, okay? That is heresy. Don't believe that, right? Start there. Here's what we are saying. The Son has always existed, right, from eternity past with the Father, with the Holy Spirit, and God at one point back here in history decided to create, decided to put things into motion and decided for us to exist, which is a phenomenal thing, right? We get to enjoy all that. The Son created one day, and at one point in time, the Son became a part of the creation, and he took on flesh, and he became Jesus, Mary's firstborn, okay? So you say, Ryan, well, how is he the firstborn over all creation, right? He's not, he's the uncreated one. Remember, he's the son who's always existed. How is he the firstborn then? What does that mean? When we say that he's the firstborn over all creation, we mean he is the first in rank, he is the chief. He is in charge. He's the authoritative one. He's the, the prime mover, the initiator of creation. He's the one that set it all into motion. And now there's no one higher in rank than the son. He's over all of it, right? No angel, no person, no human, no king, no authority, no ruler. The son, he is over all of it and through all of it want to make sure we understand that. That's super important, right? So he's the firstborn in the sense that he has the responsibility of it. Boy, that's important for us to know. That when we look at God, we need him to be the one who is over all of it. He has the power over all that has been created. And you start to unpack that. You say, Ryan, what, what do you mean by that? What, what has he created and how has it worked? Paul really starts to unpack it in the rest of these phrases. Here's the next one. He says, in him, all things were created. Everything that exists has been created through him, or it's been created by someone that he has created. That's even more amazing that he's created people who can create stuff, and we make some really neat stuff. Right? Every technological invention that's been created has been created by someone that God has created, that the Son has created. That's even more mind-blowing, right? We're saying, in him all things were created. John would take it a step further. Listen to this. 
Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So John's saying absolutely everything that exists has been made through the Son. There's nothing in creation that has been made outside of his realm, outside of his initiation, his dominion. He's the only one. So there's no plan. There's no the universe that's created anything. There's no mother nature. <laughs> there, there is the sun, and the sun has the power and the dominion and the initiation over all of it. He is before all things. He has created all this. Now, what are we talking about? Things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible. Let's start talking about the, kind of the scope of this. A huge part of creation that we don't even, I don't even think about that much, you probably don't either, is that there is a heavenly realm that exists that was created by the sun. There are angels, they exist, we believe that, and he is the creator of those. Right? The, the rulers, the dominions that exist outside of our, kind of the reality that we live in day in and day out, he created that. He created all of that that we can't see today. He created atoms and gravity, right, and molecules and things that are beyond my ability to explain. The unseen world that exists, he is the initiator of all of it. The galaxies, the millions and billions of stars and planets, the depths of the sea and the animals we haven't even discovered, he created all of it. Right? All of the things that we can't even totally get our arms around or see or recognize, he is firstborn over all of that. He also says that he created things on the earth and things that are visible, and this is where we live most of the time. And we start to feel this more and more and can see his hand all over the place when we start to open our eyes to it. You, you know, last time you went to the beach and you stood there on the beach and watched the sun come up or watched the sun go down, and you stood in awe and almost brought tears to your eyes, he's the one that made that, right? He's the one that made the mountains and that skyline that is absolutely breathtaking. When you stand in the midst of, of uh, towering trees or redwoods and you feel dwarfed by it, he's the one that created all that. It's mind-blowing, when you start to get your mind around it, and here's what's intended to do, right? Here's how this works. When we look around at the people and the animals and the trees and the rocks and the mountains and the beaches and all the things that blow our mind when we stop and take notice of them, what do we do? We would stop and we would say, who made that? Where did that come from? That's how it works. Well, that's how it works for me. When I see a beautiful building, I think to myself, that's amazing. Who designed that thing? When I'm blown away by an amazing painting or I watch a film, a movie that's just unbelievable, I think to myself, who created that? That's unbelievable. Who's behind that? Who's, who's the one behind the scenes that I don't even know about that created this amazing thing? When we interact with creation, it's designed to, to force that question within us. Here's how Paul would say it. Romans 1, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, 
being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Paul's saying, hey, since everything has been made, since people showed up on the planet, we understand from what has been made that, that God exists. Because we're thinking people and we look at all that is and we say, well, the, obviously this can't just like pop out of nowhere. There has to be a designer behind this design. There has to be a creator behind this creation. Where did all this stuff come from? This is amazing. It's mind-blowing. And it causes me to ask that question, who did this? Who made this? And it causes me to, to start to seek the creator. And I think it starts to bring out wonder in us. You guys ever been captivated and captured by wonder? Have you ever just be blown away as you interact with this world and just kind of have your mind blown? Every once in a while, it just sneaks up and grabs you. You ever have that experience? Almost to the point of tears, or it just makes you stop and say, wow, that's amazing. That blew my mind. You guys may or may not know, um, I have a, a slight obsession with wood. It's kind of a thing for me. I have a wood-burning stove it's uh, going to run basically from October to April straight. just burns, buddy. Burns wood. It's beautiful. And so I love to uh, cut down trees and cut them up with my chainsaw. I love to split wood with my splitting maul and my axe, and I love to stack wood. I just like wood a lot, <laughs> you know? It's, like, really great. And, um, and one day, about four years ago, I was hanging out with my kids, splitting wood, as usual, you know, and they were, they were just talking to me, and they, this is normal thing. We just, like, interact and talk while I'm splitting wood, and I, I put this new log up, and I'm about to split it on top of the other log, and I split, and I split my piece, and as soon as I split this piece of wood, this unbelievable smell hits me like a wave, and I was like, what is that? That is amazing, that smells like life. Like, that was awesome, right? So what do I do? I, I reached down, and I grabbed a piece of wood. I brought one just in case. So, you, you know, just wanted you to be able to see it out of my wood pile. So here's, here's a piece of wood. I, I picked this piece of wood up, and I, I picked it up, and I smelled it. You're like, man, this guy's got issues, right? <laughs> I picked it up, and I smelled it. I was like, that is amazing, I've never smelled anything like that in my entire life. It smelled absolutely awesome. I was like, I was like, hey kids, come here a second. You need to, you need to smell this log, right? You can sponsor my kids' counseling if you want. I'm taking donations, right? So I have my kids come up and I have them smell the log, and they're like, man, dad, that does smell good, right? They're still young enough; they play along. It's great, right? So I had. Uh, I had the log in my hand, and I was looking at it, and I was just, I was kind of taken aback by how amazing this thing smelled, you know? And I just started staring at it, and I was looking at all the fibers and the grains in this piece of wood. And I was like, you know what? This is, like, amazing. This is amazing. Look at all the detail in the intricacy and the intentionality that goes into creating something like this. We can't make this stuff. We can't replicate it. You're like, Ryan, it's a piece of wood, man. Chill out. It is, and it isn't, frankly. This stuff is amazing. God makes some amazing stuff. When we stop and look at it for a minute, it's kind of mind-blowing. 
The amount of detail and planning and intentionality it takes just to create a simple piece of wood. And this, this is one piece of wood out of one log, out of one tree, off one property, in one county, in one state, in one country, in one place, in one portion of time. There's one little part of creation. Look, look at all of the planning and detail and intricacy that goes into it. Causes us to stop and to say, where did this come from? Who, who makes this? Eternal power, divine nature. He, he's the one who makes this stuff. And I, I bet you that if we took the time to do it, I bet you you have little wonder stories like that. That you have little moments where, where you were captivated by wonder and, and blown away by creation. Right? When you, when you built your leaf project back in middle school or whatever, and, and you looked at those leaves, and you're like, this is unbelievable. Look at all the detail in that one little leaf. Or you were blown away when one of your kids was born, and you thought, this is so mind-boggling that he, every human being that exists came onto the planet like that. Like, that kind of blew my mind. It's an amazing reality that a little life can exist and that, that cells form and multiply and become this human being. This is amazing to me. Or you were brought to tears watching a human being sing a song that just took your breath away. As you, as you put paint onto a canvas, you, the created, created something else and it blew your mind, right? You go on and on and on and on and we could see the wonder all around us when we stop and kind of let the cynicism drop off for a minute and pick up humility and see life through the lenses of wonder and awe, all of a sudden, creation comes alive and it's absolutely amazing. It's breathtaking. The wonder's all around us. All we do is see it. And here's why this matters so much, right? Here's the way I said it in your notes. So when we stop to see the wonder of what's been made, we can start to see the wonder of the one who made it, right? When I stop to see the wonder of what's been made, I can start to see the wonder of the one who made it. We don't worship creation. We don't look at the moon and say, you are God, or the sun and say, you are God. We don't look at all of creation and call it the universe and assume that it has a personality or a will. But what we do is we look at the creation and say, someone awesome must have made that. The glory of the creator comes out as I see the glory of the creation and I'm blown away by it all over again. As I stop and see the wonder of what's been made, I start to see the wonder of the one who made it. The wonder of seven plus billion people who are all unique on the planet. That's unbelievable. The wonder of the animals that exist that we don't even know about. The wonder of all the cultures that erupt out of different people groups in different places and different times. When I stop and grab hold of it, boy, what it creates in me is worship. It creates wonder in me. And what I love is that it doesn't just stop there. It didn't just initiate with God making it. 
It actually went even further, right? In this description of the son, Paul actually says, not only did the son initiate it, start it, put it into motion, here's what he's going to say. He's say, he's before all things. He existed before all of this existed. He's eternal. He's above it all. He's firstborn. He's prior to all of it. Here's this phrase that absolutely will blow your mind. And in him, all things hold together. That in Christ, in the Son, is the glue that holds all of creation together. That his intentional, willful decision to keep things on the rails is what causes us to continue to live and exist, keeps the planets in orb, right? It's amazing when you start to get your mind around it that he is the one who intentionally wraps this creation together and keeps it moving. That if he stopped, think about this, if he stopped thinking about it, if he decided to let go, it would begin to unravel, and we don't even know what that would look like. Man, that is an unbelievable amount of power. That's enormous. That, that he would create it, own it, master it, have authority over it, and then be the one that maintains it moment by moment all the way to the present day. In him, all things hold together. Boy, and we need him to have that kind of power. And I certainly don't hold the world together, and you don't either. When I look at what I can actually control, it's actually very small. I need someone to control and have the ability to have the power to maintain the universe. I certainly can't. In him, all things hold together. Look at this last one. All things have been created through him and for him. Boy, this is important. All things have been created through him and for him. Certainly, we, we looked at the fact that he's made everything, but here's its intent. Here's its purpose. It's for him. This world is not for you and I. This world doesn't exist for us, not primarily. It exists for him. It's his creation. I am his creature. My world that I live in and I get to enjoy, and God wants us to enjoy that, it's made for his glory to point to who he is. It's not for me. And the life that he has given to me is not primarily for me. It's for him. And I would argue that we need it to be that way. When we approach difficulty in life, challenges in life, we need to be able to go to a God that has the power to maintain and create and sustain the universe. When my health is failing, I've got something going on, I, I need to be able to pray to a God that can keep the universe in alignment and sustain and maintain millions of lives. I, I need that to be able to happen. I, I need to have a God who is powerful enough that he can manipulate the laws of the universe if he wants to. He can stop it from raining. He can stop it from snowing. He won't here in Northeast Ohio, most likely. But he can. Right? He has the ability to raise the dead. He has the ability we see in Christ to stop the storm. He has the ability to do a miracle. That is the kind of God that we're talking about here. 
He created all things. He sustains all things, and it's all for him. It's not for me. My life is not for me. My life is to reflect him. And as I'm blown away in wonder, as I live out a life seen the creator in his creation, it creates worship in me, creates awe in me. I think that's what we need to know as we move towards Christmas. That all that power and all that authority and all that majesty, all that, I don't even know what it would take to create and sustain all that we see, all of that somehow shows up in a little baby. It all shows up in Christmas. And we come to worship Jesus, the baby. I want to recognize that he is the firstborn over all creation. He's not some nostalgic relic that I remember one time a year. He's not just the leader of a religious institution. He is, he's the controller, the master, the creator, the designer, the architect, the power of all that we see and all that we know. And it all shows up in this little baby. The creator becomes a part of his own creation. The author writes himself into the story. And we show up and we got to ask the question, how am I going to interact with that baby? See, this is why we come to Christmas with worship, with open arms, with bended knee, because we worship the creator of the universe, Jesus, the son, the firstborn. Say, Ryan, how, how do we take this home? Here's what I think we can do as we move towards Christmas. I think as we move towards Christmas, I, I want this conversation to maybe change the way that we approach and worship Jesus this holiday. I want to change the way we would pray and we would think about the problems that we have in life. Wonder if, if when my health is failing or I, I need God to show up somewhere to know that God is able to do more than all I think or imagine. Whether he does or not is, is a different conversation. But he has the ability, he has the power. And I wonder if, if we move towards Christmas and we make a little more space this Christmas, make a little more space to see the wonder of what has been made so we can be captured by the wonder of the one who made it. What if every once in a while, instead of being frustrated by the snow dropping down, we stop and just take a look at it? My mom used to do this with me. On a snow day when it was pouring down snow, she'd say, come on, let's go outside. And as a, as a kid, I would walk out into the snow in the middle of the street you know, and there'd be inches of snow and it would be silent. And I would watch the snow drop and I would just stand there and be amazed by it. Blown away 
that this could all happen, right? What if we just made some moments to create some wonder stories that pointed back to the one who created it, who designed it, who sustained it? Just little moments. Before you throw that log on the fire, take a look at it. Be blown away by it, the simple things that aren't so simple. But what what if as we move towards Christmas, we saw the wonder of each other? That my family or my friends or my coworkers or my neighbors, they're, they're not just people in my life I have to interact with. They are unique, created, individual beings that have a designer. I can see the wonder of them. Would that change the way I approach the baby? Would that change the way I come into Christmas? That caused me to see the firstborn differently. I think it would. I think that can start even now. The minute we're going to have the band come out, we're going to sing and worship. Well, we start by just recognizing and thanking God for who he is the firstborn over all of creation. Would you pray with me? Lord, there is no end to your majesty. Um, Just looking at this truth in your word causes me to feel how limited I am how little I'm able to understand and to know and how vast and powerful you are. Lord, thank you that you have included us in your creation. Lord, you've given us wonderful things to behold, to see and to experience. God, help us to see him again. That we might enjoy you and worship you because you're able to do all things. You're the creator. You're the sustainer, Lord. You can change our lives because you are the one who made them. Jesus, we worship you this Christmas season. Help us to see you for who you are your humility in becoming a baby, squeezing yourself into human flesh with all of that power. Or would you meet us here? Would you help us to see the beauty and the glory of your name? Help us to adore you in a new way, even now. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.